Good morning, everyone. This is a good view. Everyone's very colorful today. You guys know Labor Day is gone. We don't have to wear colors anymore, right? We can go back to wearing our you know, black shirts and white pants or the other way around. Why don't we wear white pants more often? I like a good pair of white pants. My wife never lets me wear white pants. It's probably best. I spill everything. I really do. So if you haven't noticed it, I am not Doug. There should have been a couple clues. But either way, I'm not Doug. My name's Nick. I am the new youth pastor. By the way, I love every time I walk through the church, I see that announcement loop come up. And every time I see my name, I also see donuts, which is really, really bad. <laughs> really bad. Every day I find myself just subconsciously craving donuts, <laughs> which is not, not good for me. Um, man, I, uh, I have to say, you know, we've been here almost three weeks. About three weeks. I have never, I've been, I've worked in a couple different churches, and i got to be real honest with you. Rachel and I have talked about this pretty frequently. Rachel's my wife. She's over there. I'm going to be talking about her a lot. Um, we have never felt so welcomed in a place. Um, really. Really, really. I like that you're applauding for yourself there, by the way. That's, that's awesome. Um, but seriously, I, I, just, I really can't say it enough. We have been so blessed, and we are so, so grateful um, for the reception that we've received. And just, um, man, we are really excited about the future um, and the present, really, just everything. We're so excited about what's happening here. So I am going to be speaking to you this morning about anxiety about worrying, about these fears that can sort of seize us up and take us over. Um, you know, I'm not usually, honestly, I'm not really a worrier. Uh, for the most part, that's just not an issue that I find myself struggling with daily. However, I was a little bit concerned about speaking this morning for a couple reasons. One, you know, a couple weeks ago, I did the, uh, the pastoral prayer, and I was really, you know, it was, just, it was nice to do that. Oddly, I received multiple compliments about my pastoral prayer. Um, everyone was just like, man, Nick, that was just so great. And I'm just like, what? I, I was praying. It's weird to receive a compliment for praying. It's like if you're having a conversation with someone and then you go to the next person. I'm like, wow, that was a really good conversation. <laughs> well done. You had eye contact. You, you know. It was, it was funny. And so I feel like there might be, and maybe this is just in my head, there might be just this really high expectation of me. Um, you know, like when you hear really good things about a movie and then you go see it and you're just like, all right. That was, that was pretty good. I'm, I'm, that might be how you walk out today. That's okay, you know. That's all right. It's probably good to have your expectations lowered. I'm not going to be speaking in any other languages this morning. Just put that rest. I don't have the Greek New Testament in front of me. Jonathan Valdez will probably be the one to talk to you about that. Um, I'm just going to be teaching you this morning. And I've got to be honest, teaching is one of my favorite things. Um, it really, really is. I have said many times that this is that thing in, in life that I love to do more than most things. Um, and I do feel like God has really kind of uh, brought me along in a lot of different ways and how to teach. I remember some of my first 
sermons were clocked in around 55 to an hour and a half, uh, which is about half of what I'll be doing today. Um, you know, I would just get up on that stage and I would just get so passionate about a thing and my notes would just get lost. And I used to have like five pages of notes. It was ridiculous. Um, I just, I do, I love to teach, and God has really kind of brought me along to a place where I feel really just comfortable and, and happy when I'm teaching, and so worrying about teaching, you know, I'm kind of worried, but really, I'm not that much of a warrior. I'll tell you who is a warrior is my wife, to be perfectly honest. Some of you know my wife, Rachel, formerly Ray, now Robinson. Um, I stole her identity, um, <laughs> although she's stealing it back because now everyone who sees me is, aren't you Rachel's husband? That's pretty much... <laughs> Who I am. I'm just going to get a t-shirt that has a picture of Rachel and me and say, yes, this is my wife. That way you'll know me. Um, but so Rachel is a big time warrior. Even like just little things, you know, like anytime our kid makes, like Harper, my, my second youngest daughter, the middle child, she screams about everything. If you, especially in the morning time, if you try like pat her head or look at her, she will most likely scream. I don't know what the deal is, but she's a lot like my wife in that way. Um, if you, it's true though, seriously. Um, so anytime she makes a noise, Rachel will just, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Is she okay? Even though it's just because the wind blew on her face the wrong way. There was one time though, I tell you, that was the funniest thing. And I told, I told some students about this the other day. My wife and I, we were watching Armageddon. Okay. You guys seen this movie? We were watching this movie. It's about this asteroid that comes and almost destroys the entire planet. Um, we're watching this movie, and it's not like when it just came out. The movie's been out for a long time. And I also think it might have been the second or third time she'd seen it. But we're watching this movie, and she's such a warrior. She looks at me in this really intense moment and just looks at me kind of almost like in tears and says, When did this happen? <laughs> When in history did this take place? And at that point, I'm like, is it, is it too late to get out of this thing? <laughs> no, I was just like, oh my gosh. Did you? And she, did, she really thought that this had happened. And this was like documentary starring Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. <laughs> it's not her brightest moment, she said. She, it's not her best moment, but... It's a great example of how much of a warrior she really is. Um, you know, my mom, my mom is a huge warrior as well, all growing up. You know, she was always the mom that, you know, even if I was just out with, like, my church group, she would always wait up, no matter how long it was, and be waiting when I got home. She was also very much a warrior about what I was doing all the time. And this was good because in those days, there was no, like, cell phone tracking system she could secretly install on my phone and find out where I am at all times and text me, hey, you're, you're going too fast. And I'm like, how do you know how fast I'm going? Like, she was just a crazy warrior. So it's a good thing that technology had not advanced far enough for her to get really scary. But there was this one time that I remember very clearly. My friends and I, we lived in sort of the same neighborhood, and we were going over to this park to play. I was about 16, 17. Now, granted, I had done some pretty dumb stuff up to that point. I was a 15-year-old living in Europe, so, you know, I had done some, some pretty stupid things in the past. So, however, my mom decides that she just feels a little off about me and my friends going to play. Uh, we're going to go play soccer out of this park. And so she sends my dad to follow us. We were walking on the streets, follow us in the car a little ways back so that we couldn't see him. Like, 
she says, okay, Dennis, look, I need you to get in the car and just quietly just follow them and just make sure they're not doing anything. So we're walking for about 20 minutes, and after about 45 seconds, I see this big red Ford Aerostar <laughs> trailing us at a very slow pace. And there were two or three cars behind him. Um, and I just, I was just like, oh my gosh. And so I just let it play out for a little while. And finally, my friends are like, dude, why is your dad following us? <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. So I turned around and go back to my dad. And I look at, this is great. I look at my dad. And I'm like, dad. And he's like, I know. <laughs> he didn't know why he was doing that. Uh, I guess he figured it'd be a good way to just get out of the house for a little bit. But, uh, man, worrying can really cause us to do some silly things. You know, there is really a lot in this world to worry about, though, seriously. I mean, if we really sit down and just kind of look at the scope of the world and the events that are unfolding, there just seriously could be a lot to really worry about. I mean, just the other day, my wife, I mean, she's, she's got, we've got three kids, and she's a very, very busy woman. And so occasionally she'll hear stuff that's going on in the news. And so all of a sudden, I just get all these texts about ISIS. Like, have you heard about this thing? What's going on? Should we take the kids out of school? Like, just very concerned, very nervous. Like, she just all of a sudden heard about it. And so she's very concerned. And that's a legitimate concern. I mean, sure, there are things going on all over this world, even in our country, even in our cities, even in the houses next door that are troublesome. That could definitely cause us to experience a lot of anxiety and worry. Um, that's legit. And sometimes, though, for me, you know, I think about these things a lot. I do, I do know kind of what's going on. But for me, I just have to often just sort of step back and just look at, you know, there's a lot to worry about. There's a lot of problems. But what has God provided for me um, that has just been so spectacular? I look at my family. I have this wonderful, wonderful family, three beautiful, healthy children. And I swear, every time my wife got pregnant, we would hear stories of close friends who had lost their child who were having very sick infants, you know, just very hard things to hear, but continually God just blesses us, and I don't understand why. His provision for us has just been so wonderful, and I guarantee each and every one, even those that are dealing with really tough things, you look around and look at your life and look what God has provided for you, and you will see blessing. You will see providence, because God... Even just the fact that we're all in this room and that there are no soldiers waiting outside to come in, that, that's a legit blessing. There are many, many across the world that are meeting today secretly because they're afraid for their lives just for coming together in worship. There is a great amount of blessing heaped on our shoulders that we often don't see. Um, I want to bring back up the scripture, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I want to look through it together. Really fast, because I really love this passage, especially because it's Paul talking to us. You know, any of those letters where Paul just sort of talks to the people in the church and say, do this, don't do this. I feel like I need to particularly pay attention, um, even though, to be quite honest, I don't know if Paul and I would have been really good friends. He's just a very scary dude. Um, you know, Peter and I could have been friends. You know, we'd be going fishing all the time and it'd be awesome. But Paul, 
I don't know. I, I feel like it would just be difficult for me to really buddy up with him. So <laughs> Philippians 4, 4 through, and I love, absolutely love the way this little passage starts. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know, I had a professor in college that he said, anytime I stomp my foot, you really need to be paying attention. Anytime that Paul or Jesus also repeats himself in the same line, I feel like we need to kind of key in on that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's go to the next one. Verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. I love this line. Be, let your gentle spirit. In, the, in another translation, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone around you. It's important as the church that the, the outside world sees us as reasonable, gentle people. Not those prone to crazy rants or that we would just lose it at a moment's notice. But that the peace of God is kind of woven into us. And it's important that we... Let the world see that. It is not important that we pretend to be that way. It is important that we truly seek the Lord's peace and gentleness so that the world might see that we have that. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let's go to the next one. Be anxious for nothing. It's a pretty standard statement. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Basically, what Paul is saying is just chill. God has this taken care of. Spend your time in much better ways. Don't spend your time worrying, sitting in anxiety, but rather just pray about this stuff. When you find yourself concerned with things that are going on, let your requests be made known to God with prayer and thanksgiving. That's probably a much better use of our time than sitting in anxiety. And let's go to this next one. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, the shalom of God, that rhythm that God has woven into us and to the world around us will take over. And it makes no sense. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. I feel like just God's second name could be surpasses all comprehension. Continually, the way that he loves us, the way that he blesses us, everything that he does, for me, surpasses all comprehension. I don't get God. He's crazy. He really is, and I love it. Because if, honestly, if I could understand him fully, it doesn't seem like that would really be a God. If me, as a human, could just get him fully and just capture everything about him, that doesn't seem right. He surpasses all comprehension. I love this passage, and it's just so clear what Paul is trying to tell us is that when you spend time being anxious and constantly worrying, you are wasting your time. Let's look at some people in Scripture. I want to talk about some worriers in Scripture, some people that we can look at and see, okay, this is what happens in Scripture when you spend your time worrying a lot, when you're an anxious person. John the Baptist's dad, this is one of my favorite stories. You know, he's Zechariah. He's in the temple as a priest doing his priestly duties. And all of a sudden, an angel appears. This is not a normal day. You know, granted, he is a priest, but still he doesn't see angels as much as he might like. All of a sudden, this angel appears to him and tells him, hey, look, man, you're going to have a kid. 
I want you to name him John. He's going to be the forerunner for Christ. It's going to be awesome. You're, it's going to be a really cool thing. Congratulations. He's, his answer is hilarious to me. It really is. His, he, there's an angel. Obviously not just a guy that wandered into the temple. It's an angel. And he says to him, this is what's going to happen. And his response is, yeah, but how do I know? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's really great. And you're an angel. I like your white outfit. I wish I could wear one. How? Are you sure? And the angel, I love it because he's so, he's not in the mood for this. You know, he's, he's constantly going to people, and their first reaction is to fall down and be scared. And he's like, get up. I'm not God. Let's keep it moving. Um, and Zechariah just says something really dumb, and he's like, all right, cool. It's going to happen, but you can't talk anymore until it does. So just, shh. So done with it. I love it. So Zechariah just this anxious guy, and he, he shows his anxiety, and the angel's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, ain't nobody got time for that. Just be quiet. Um, so there's a great example of anxiety and what happens when we do that. There's another one, um, you know, it's a very common one. Martha and Mary are with Jesus, and Mary is there, you know, you know, washing his feet with oil and just really loving on him and listening to him, and Martha starts whining and saying, Why is why does Mary get to hang out with Jesus? I'm cleaning the dishes. And Jesus is just like, Shh. come on. Mary is doing what she needs to be doing. You are wasting your time being anxious and worrying about this stuff. The dishes will get done. Just come sit with me. All right. There's another one that I love. Peter. Oh, I'm serious. I could be best friends with Peter. There's no doubt about it. He is nutty. All right. One of my favorite you know, lines from Peter is Jesus takes um, a few of the disciples up in Luke up to the to the mounts and he transfigures before them. He, he shows them his glory um, and they're watching this crazy scene unfold. And all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses show up. And it's just like, first of all, how do they know? Do they have name tags on? I don't know. But <laughs> Elijah and Moses and Jesus are just sitting there talking. And these disciples are just sort of watching with their mouths open and unsure, probably pulling out their phones to Instagram it. But it didn't work. <laughs> Um, and Peter's response to this scene unfolding is, hey, guys, can I make you a house so that you can stay here forever and ever and ever and ever and we can always be best friends? That's, he says, can I make you a shelter? And I love it. Jesus just ignores him. You read that passage. There's no response. They just look at him and move on, you know. He's just so worried about this. Oh, I want to make sure everyone's happy. Let me help you. Another one with Peter. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Granted, I give him a little credit because he is standing on water. But, you know, he's out there with Jesus. They're both standing on water. There might have been this awkward moment like, what do we do now? Um, But they're standing there and then all of a sudden Peter just starts to see things unfolding around him. And he can't keep focused on what's happening between God. And he just lets those concerns take over and he starts to sink. And then Jesus like, you little faith, picks him up. Peter is crazy. Um, I love him. And, you know, we've also got people like, I'm going to talk a couple about the Old Testament. King Saul, this dude had problems. I swear, if you are like a psychology student, King Saul would be the one to study. This guy had issues on issues on issues. Okay? King Saul was an anxiety-ridden person. Everything, he was so paranoid about losing his kingdom, probably a good idea. He should have been. Um... He was so worried about what was going to happen. He went and sought the advice of mediums and just silly nonsense. You know, 
He, would, he was so concerned about David taking over, he would bring David into his courts, have him play beautiful music, which would chill him out, and then all of a sudden, he'd freak and throw a spear at him. You know, just King Saul was crazy, and it did not end well for our boy Saul. Um, you know, and when the Israelites go to seek out the new, the new promised land, Moses sends 12 guys, one representative from each tribe, to look at the new land. Ten of them come back, and they're like, whoa, dude, there's giants there's crazy stuff out there. There's weird animals that we've never seen. There's no way we're going there. Despite the fact that God had literally just said, you're going to the promised land now. These 10 guys come back and say, no, 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 I don't think we should go. There's really tall people there and they don't look like us. We should just stay here outside of that area. It's a little iffy. Then Joshua and Caleb just kind of look at each other like, guys, you're ridiculous. And Joshua and Caleb are two great examples of people that weren't concerned about that stuff. They weren't Warriors, They didn't really struggle with that. And they say, we can do this. It's scary. It is beyond all comprehension that we could go in there and take this land. But I think we should do it. And this is the problem with being, you know, a non-anxiety ridden person. Because really, a lot of us do struggle with this. And when people say things like, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be difficult. And I know it might not even work. But we should do it anyway. Oftentimes, those people are kind of looked at as strange. It's hard to listen to that. Because all our natural impulses tell us, stay away from things that are scary. Stay away from things that we don't think we can do. But people like Joshua and Caleb say, no, let's do them. And then you've got people like Abraham, who's being told by God, who's, who was given this son, this gift. And now he's being told, go up a mountain, sacrifice him, and then talk to me. He doesn't say, are you sure? He doesn't say, I don't know if this is a good idea. He doesn't say, give me a month to pray about it. He just says, all right. He trucks up that mountain. You don't hear a word of complaint out of him. You don't hear, you don't see in the scripture where it says he was just ridden with nerves. He's just walking up that mountain. And I guarantee you, in his mind and in his heart, he's thinking, I don't know how God's going to do this. It is beyond all comprehension, but I trust it. I may or may not have to actually do this. And if I do, God's got something better for me on the other side. I don't get it. It passes all comprehension, but... I'm going to do it. And then we have people like Elijah. In 1 Kings, we see this story of Elijah who is just getting really annoyed with the other prophets. Talking all this mess about how Baal is the one. And this is the one that's going to save us. And they're in this drought. And this is the God that's going to save us. And he's just like, you know what? All right, this is, that's a great idea. You might be right. Why don't we just do a little duel? We just try a little competition. How about you build an altar? I'll build an altar. And we'll see whose God can bring fire from heaven to light the altar. I love this because I can just hear the sarcasm in his voice. You know, I can just hear him be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Keep cutting yourselves. I'm sure that'll make it happen. Yeah, keep screaming and yelling. I'm sure that's going to work. So we see this story in these other prophets for like a day and a half just scream and yell and they're cutting themselves and doing anything they can to get this God to rain fire down from heaven. And Elijah's like, you know what? How about I try it now? And then he just really annoyingly and really arrogantly dumps buckets and buckets and buckets of water on his altar to say, you know, I don't even care. Just keep getting it wet. Fill up this entire trench around it with water so that it is literally impossible for it to actually catch fire. Then he prays for 10 seconds and boom, the entire thing he just Burst into flames. I love it. Because Elijah wasn't worried. So many of us, we're, we're, we may actually listen to the call of God and go and do things that we've been asked to do. But I promise you, probably, I know at least for me, in the back of my mind, I'm like, what if God doesn't actually 
do this. This could be really embarrassing. What if God doesn't really come through on this? If we're real honest, I guarantee you most of us would say we have that fear. That when we see an opportunity maybe to share the gospel, we're nervous. We're concerned. There's a little anxiety. Like, I know that God's called me to do this. I can really feel like this is the kind of person that I need to be speaking to right now. But man, what if it turns weird? What if it gets awkward? What if he punches me? You know, I don't know. What are, we get nervous about following the commands of God. We get nervous about it. And I don't have, you know, maybe the part of my sermon I forgot to, to write down was the solution to this problem. There is no magic button that we can just press and say, you know, flick on the anti-anxiety switch that doesn't exist in us. But here's what I can tell you. You know, Matthew 6, 27 talks about how uh, worrying adds no hours to your life. Yes, we know that. We know that. Anxiety does not add any hour or, or any amount of time. It doesn't make anything easier for us. And, and Matthew 6, uh, 33 and 34, he talks about how if we seek God, he will take care of us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Yes, yes, I know. But honestly, the scripture that really, for me, kind of locks in this truth, this understanding. And, and when I do find myself moving into dangerous waters and I do find myself moving towards something that's a little nerve wracking. When I see and when I hear the verse Joshua 1.9, it's something that continually just washes me over with peace. I mean, I look at the situation. Joshua and the Israelites are standing at the foot of the Jordan. They're about to move into the promised land that they've been waiting for almost a century to actually get into. They're waiting and they're ready. And God's word to Joshua, if we could put it up on the screen, Joshua 1.9, it is something that I continually go back to. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. And this is the key. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Allison hit it right on the head with the kids. It's not wrong to be afraid. It's not wrong to have a little fear. But what is wrong is to forget that last part. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. The creator of the universe, the order, the one who ordered all things to be in his way, he is with us. Wherever we go. That to me will always bring me peace. That always brings me back to an understanding that yes, this might be difficult. Yes, this might be scary. But the Lord is with me. Wherever I go. And it sounds like a simple, simple, simple fix to a major problem. But I can promise you, just like God promised Joshua, hold on to that. Let that be your little mantra, and things will be different for you. Things will be different for you. I want to close with a little story. There was a young missionary going on a journey to Africa. It's his first time. He'd never been. And he's supposed to meet an older guy that had been there for the most of his life. You know, He's supposed to meet him, and they're going to take him out to the village. So he flies out. He gets there, and he arrives, and the old man is there. And he has a little you know, card with his name on it and says, all right, let's go. So they get in this old beat-up Jeep, and they have, you know, it's like a 14-hour drive to get where they're going. And they got to drive through the wilds of Africa. So this young missionary and this old missionary, they're driving down the road. And all of a sudden, they hear this loud crack and this loud, you know, spurting sound, and the, and the Jeep just dies. They get out. There's a flat tire. The, you know, fill-in-the-blank with other car stuff. I don't know anything about cars. 
Um, the, the gasket split, I don't know. Um, the car breaks down. And they're in the middle of Africa, and it's getting dark. They're in the middle of the savannah, and there are animals, and there's not a shelter anywhere, and they're just sort of there. And so the young man is just pulling out everything. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's trying to fix the car. He's just banging on it with the wrench. He's trying to fix a new tire. He's trying to get duct tape to wrap around the tire to make something work. Nothing is working. The, the Jeep is not working. And after about 15 minutes of working and trying to fix the Jeep, he looks up and sees the older guy just chilling under a tree and just with this big old silly smile on his face. And he just gets angry. What are you doing? Why are you not helping me? This is your Jeep. You're supposed to be the one that's doing this. I don't know what I'm doing. Get over here and help me. And he just continues to stare at him with this goofy little smile on his face. So the young man just keeps going. Fine, I don't care. I'm not going to let this guy let me die. And he just keeps trying to fix it and fix it and fix it. And finally, he just gives up. I don't know what to do. The sun is setting. He has no idea what's going to happen. And he walks over to the older guy like, what are we, what is, what are we doing? What are we supposed to do? And the older man just kind of sits there with a smile on his face. And it's, it's a silly thing that he says, but he just says, you know what? I just can't wait to see what God's going to do about this. I love that story. Because truly it is, it's how a lot of us deal with problems. We freak out and we try to fix it. We try to handle it. When we are completely ill-equipped to fix the problems in our life. And if more of us would just sit down behind that tree and just smile and just let's say, God, I don't know. I don't know how to fix this problem with me. I don't know how to deal with these issues. I need to just see you do something amazing. You will see crazy things happen. The Lord is with you wherever you go, be it in a broken down Jeep in the middle of the savannas of Africa or walking into your office unsure how you're going to share the gospel with your co-workers. Going to school, unsure how you're going to talk to that guy that you've just been concerned about because you know that he's lost and you want to share with him. Unsure of how you're going to do it. God is with you. I want us to be, I want myself to be an anxiety-free people so that the world might see the reasonableness that we live in. And might desire that. Because ultimately all of this is so that we might be stronger believers. And that we might go out and change the world. Let me pray. God, you are a king. And we are your sons and daughters. We are princes and princesses. We are yours. And yet we fear. Yet we live in such a concerned way, nervous about how you're going to provide for us. God, teach us, mold us to be like that older man under the tree, watching your great works unfold. Lord, remind us constantly that this is not a task that we can do on our own. That, that all of these things that you've ordered and commanded of us. All of this righteousness that you require of us, it is not something we can accomplish, but something that we must rely on you to bring us into. Consistently, God, draw us in. Remind us of how you love us. Show us all over this world that you care for us. 
And let us never, ever, ever forget that no matter what we're doing, where we're going, who we're talking to, that you are with us wherever we go. It's in your name that I pray these things.